thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food reel with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hi team and welcome back to another episode of The Real Food Reel. Today on the show we're joined by Joey Hayes who is one of Australia's leading innovative and most successful strength and conditioning specialist. I'm going to hand straight over to Joey to tell us more about his um, journey and certainly what he's doing now with his career and look forward to sharing this interview with you. Hi Joey and thanks for joining the show today. Hey Steph, thanks for having me. Great to have you here. So, because it's your first time on the show, I'd love to hear your elevator pitch. My elevator pitch, that's a very good question. Basically, I help athletes become bigger, faster and stronger and ultimately with the end goal to increase their worth or their contract. Yeah, beautiful. And so, you're working at the moment with a, an array of athletes. Tell us about... Um, who you do work with, and maybe even um, some of the successes that you've had already. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, well, basically, we work with junior, elite, and semi-professional athletes of all ages and ability. I've been renowned for my results, typically with AFL footballers. Mm -hmm. So some of the AFL footballers I've helped produce over the last 16 years include Sydney Swans player Kurt Tippett, Brisbane Lions player Dane Beams, St Kilda player Sam Gilbert. We've worked with a array of swimmers as well, so Hayden Stoke and Talia Zimmer back in the early 2000s. Uh, we're working with Nick Buchanan now, who's a former Australian cricketer, to help rehabilitate his injuries that he's had over the past. Who else have we work with? We've got Ryan Hipwood, who's a big wave surfer, so working with those guys is uh, certainly challenging considering some of the impacts they take on their body. And we've got a whole host of young athletes who are working with the Gold Coast Suns Junior Academy at the moment, at the moment that are coming through our programs as well. Yeah, very cool. So, so what's different then? So, you know, strength and conditioning is, as I'm sure you're aware, a, a huge industry and we do see lots of people claiming to be the very best and, and so on. Um, so tell us why is your approach different and why do you think that you've had success with these athletes that would have been, I guess, previously following you know, a conventional or at least quite a different system? Yeah, it's a really good question. I guess what makes us different is that you know, I've been involved with the industry now for almost 16 years and I've seen so many fads and trends come and go and you know, I've made mistakes as a coach but I guess I've been able to implement and trial them to see what works and what doesn't to develop probably the most effective and comprehensive system almost in Australia if not the world. So now we bring in all different facets of sports medicine so we've got neural engagement technology that we'll talk about later on, functional neurology, I guess we've got blood chemistries, we've got functional medicine, we've got physiotherapy and sports medicine, we've got sports psychology, we've got blood chemistry analysis, hormonal analysis, we've got soft tissue, dry, uh, soft tissue methods such as active release and dry needling. I guess it's just being able to blend all those different modalities together to give the athlete the ultimate result. Where a lot of coaches are typically one-dimensional, you know, they might be really good at developing strength, but 
they might not be very skilled at injury rehabilitation and vice versa. I've been very fortunate enough to work with some fantastic mentors over time. So, for example, Ash Marnie, who's currently Sally Pearson's track and field speed coach. I've worked with him extensively. Uh, Victor Popov, who worked with the Brisbane Lions in their three-peat, who worked with the Tour de France, the Russian Olympic team. has also worked with Ken Ware. So I guess some of the guys I've got around me are world-class at what they do, and they've been fortunate enough to pass on some of their insights and experience to help, I guess, leverage my skills and ability as a coach and as a trainer. I guess my background as an athlete, but also with a master's degree, a level three elite strength conditioning certification, NSCA certification, it's just, I guess, a conglomerate of different experiences, seminars, workshops, DVDs, much like yourself, Steph, just in your quest to become, I guess, the best at what you do to make sure your clients can get the ultimate result. Yeah, love it. I think that's a, an amazing answer and it does allow you to really, you know, step outside the the very generic, um, as you say, sort of one-dimensional approach. I love how holistic your approach is and I want to start with the foundations. Um, I'm obviously super interested in chatting to you about the neural engagement and the neurology side but let's start with those foundations Um in some of the communication that you and I have had prior to the show, um, you made the comment that, you know, one thing you find completely shocking is an example that an elite sporting organization would spend, you know, $200,000 on a trip to Colorado for altitude training, but never consider the food that the athlete is putting in their mouth. Correct. Yeah. It's um, a lot. It's, I guess it's one of the trends, you know, in Mm. in this day and age is to follow what, the teams or the clubs or the athletes that are winning and doing and, you know, if that's altitude training is the flavor of the month, well, you know, we're going to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars, take all our team over there for a two-week block in Colorado and uh, get them to walk in the mountains and train and then come back but not actually take care of the basic fundamentals, which is, you know, solid nutrition. So if you saw what I've seen with what some of these athletes and teams are consuming, um, you just want to bury your head in the sand and you and I both know all well and good how important, you know, the right nutrition is in terms of maximizing recovery enhancing performance, decreasing body fat, you know, improving gut health, increasing muscle, yet, you know, we want to spend millions of dollars and, and go over to, you know, go and perform altitude training. So mm. you know, I recommend that a lot of the athletes that we work with, again, if they're time poor, my goal is to find them a solution or a strategy to help enhance their performance. So a lot of my athletes employ private chefs or use meal preparation services, so that effectively is taken care of. So they can come home from a hard day of training and you know, the food's there to help them recover because, you know, we both know that the more you can train, I guess, you know, the quicker you recover, the more you can train and the more you can train, the better you're going to get provided that you don't overtrain or get injured and the athlete's nutrition is of paramount importance and it's just astounding that, you know, a lot of teams and clubs want to focus on, I guess, the bells and whistles that's going to give them 1% rather than nutrition, which is probably going to give them 80% of their results. Oh, absolutely. And I think you make a really good point about there, there can be a way around it. Um, obviously, real food and and food preparation, you know, so that you're not opting for convenient, refined foods, quote unquote, um, is you know is part of the deal. But there's always a way around it to make sure that, that is priority number one. Um, but just give us a quick summary of what your philosophy is. And I love that you're teaching the AFL players this because you probably know more than anyone how much they're subject to our, our archaic 
carbohydrate guidelines with, you know, carb loading and Gatorade and lots of rubbish, which doesn't even come close to real food. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a good story for you, Steph. Um, mm. One of my athletes, I'm not going to name the teams, but it was a professional sporting club in Australia just three years ago. Um, I, you know, it's my personal belief, and also if you look at the research that's out there, that, you know, the importance of omega-3 fatty acids and healthy fats in the diet for testosterone production, hormone synthesization, um, hormone synthesis, and also reducing joint inflammation and also increasing test levels, you know, healthy fats are vitally important. And so I recommended to one of my athletes who bought me in one of the diets he was following, which was, as you said before, a high carb, low fat, moderate protein diet. And he's like, Joey, Joey, I um, yeah, my sex drive's gone down, you know. I don't I don't feel as as jacked as what I normally feel. And I said, Oh mate, why how come there's no healthy fats in your diet? And he goes, Oh, Joey, the nutritionist, who happened to be a a petite little five foot nothing blonde thing has never been the lead athlete in her life. He, she, she said, Joey, you know what? Avocados are bad for you. They're too high in fat. Mm. And I said, what? I said, you've got to be kidding. He's, he's like, no, no. So we sneak, we snuck the avocados back in his diet and, you know, the healthy nuts as well and healthy fats. And within a couple of weeks, he's like, you know, I feel a lot better now. My joints feel better. You know, I feel like my test levels are up. So that was just an example of, I guess, some of the archaic methods that are, that are still out there. And, one of the one of the athletes I just had through my um, elite coaching certification, he used to have eight power raids a night before a game. He used to have um, <laughs> frogs. No, seriously, he used to have red frogs at, at quarter time and half time. He's like, Joe, I used to run out there. I'd be, I'd, I'd feel like I wanted to fall asleep. But I said, Well, mate, it wouldn't be anything to do with the insulin spike now, would it? And then obviously he's like, But none of the nutritionists told me, Joe, at the elite AFL level, that was wrong. I know, and that's a big problem. And um, this is just my sort of, I guess, bugbear with. Uh, particularly in Victoria, which is obviously where AFL is um, centred, the people or the professionals that get those jobs to work with those elite athletes are dietitians. And the dietitians, as you know, are bound by the DAA, which is, yeah. I mean, they're to blame largely for the archaic vice and advice and the perpetuation of the carbohydrate myth. And these athletes don't know any different, but I think you would have seen it as well in the last few years the athletes are becoming a lot more savvy. They're not just being spoon-fed the BS. They're realizing the importance of real food and maybe teaching themselves, which ultimately one day, hopefully, the education will come from the right person to the club. But at least now there are people like yourself and the athletes that are becoming self-educated and making those changes, moving away from refined foods and, and Gatorade. And it's, it's self-directed too. And you find the best athletes, they're always wanting the edge. And if something's not working, they're not going to hang out with, they're not going to listen to your advice for too long. And I mean, I made that mistake really early on in my career. You know, I went to university, did my nutrition component. They said, yeah, high carbohydrate, low fat is the way to go. So again, that's what diet I put my athletes on in the early 2000s. And these guys were getting fatter over time. And I'm like, but are you following the diet? They're doing the exercise. And this is when you know, long, slow distance running was in vogue as a mode of fat loss and uh, performance, and I made a mistake there. But this is, you only learn through trial and error before the research comes out. And uh, the guys, I, you know, I tested them four weeks later with their skin folds, and they'd followed the carbohydrate diet that I'd recommended that the university taught me. And they were fatter, they were weaker, their joints were inflamed, they were in pain, they weren't performing that well. So I thought, this, this is not working, something's not right here. I didn't believe them at first, but then I had a guy live with us for the four weeks, and I saw exactly what he ate, and then I'm like, Obviously, the information or whatever I'm doing is not working, so I have to change. And then, obviously, found the importance of you know higher protein, higher fat, and the carbohydrates that we wanted to have were coming from fruits and vegetable sources, rather than the traditional food pyramid bread, 
rices, grains, pasta, that sort of thing. So we, with our athletes, we give them generalised guidelines when they're just starting out because, remember, a person, you know, a lot of times younger athletes, they're uneducated, they're uninformed, and they basically eat whatever their parents give them. And if their parents are still the same bias towards the food pyramid because that's what they did, they don't know any difference. So the first thing to do with our athletes when they come in is we give them a set of guidelines, um, basically eight habits of highly effective nutritional plans where it's just eight habits they've got to follow before we give them any structured meal plans because if they can't follow eight simple habits to implement in their diet, how are they going to follow a structured meal plan? You know, So we start them with very, very basic and, and get their compliancy up to make sure that, number one, they can comply with those eight guidelines. Then we'll move them through to individual macronutrient, micronutrient breakdowns, looking for nutrient deficiencies. Then level three, if they've got the financial wherewithal, we'll actually run blood chemistry panels on them and look at food allergies, food sensitivities, digestive testing. And we've got a unique system that we implement called a Queen's Profile, which looks at their blood chemistries and actually looks at their deficiencies and toxicities within their blood chemistry. So then we can supplement their diet with foods and supplements based on their toxicities and deficiencies to make sure that we can rectify those and those results have been have been phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a, an amazing way to personalise things rather than it being, you know, clearly generic guidelines which are based on usually sick or sedentary people, definitely not elite athletes. But then, you know, nutrition is the most individual personalised thing. So when we can do that blood chemistry and eat and supplement accordingly that's where the athlete can get the competitive edge. Exactly right. And it's, you know, when you're looking at gold medals and grand final performance, you know, that 1% to 5% can mean the difference between winning or losing. So, again, we teach our athletes that their health is an investment, but it's also going to help them get a larger contract or extend their career. And, you know, we want to make sure that these guys can't just, you know, that are going to get a longer career than just the three to five years because that extra one to three years can potentially be another million dollars in their retirement fund. So that's, that's what talks to these guys. And I guess... For our younger athletes coming through, we just we have the belief that look, if we're eating what our competition is not, if we're training how our competition is not, when we meet them and we cross that wide line, we know that we are the best prepared athletes out there. That we've got the best coaching, the best nutrition, the best recovery processes, and you know, kids that are sort of fifteen to eighteen, that's a massive difference that can make. You know, if you're bigger than your opposition, or you're lean, or you're recovering quicker, you can train more. That's a massive advantage that that we want to take, and that's. That's how we think about it and that's what we do when we um, when we work together. Yeah, I think that's a really simple but such an important education piece because the athlete needs to understand the why. You just saying don't eat the food pyramid is like, okay, yep, good idea. <laughs> but when they can actually link what they consume to their recovery, to their ongoing performance, to their athletic longevity, their career, their bank account, you know, the rest of it, they can really obviously appreciate the investment that it takes to first make the change, educate yourself and step away from what you thought was true for so long, so many years. Yeah, correct. And the parents love it as well because if you've got young athletes coming through, you know, the youngest athletes we work with are eight, the oldest athletes we work with are 88. She's a world record marathon runner. She jumped out of a plane on her 90th birthday. But the parents can, the parents are really appreciative as well because a lot of the times the parents are trying to preach the kids, hey, look, don't eat this, don't, don't eat that. When it comes from an external third-party source, they're more likely to buy into it and they follow it. And I said to the parents, you know, it's an investment in your kids' health as well because if we teach them how to eat, live, move and be healthy, they've got no excuses, you know. They're going to have the information for the rest of their life so they shouldn't get, you know, the typical lifestyle disease that are very common and prevalent in society. 
Yeah, I absolutely love working with families because, as you say, when these young athletes are coming through, it's it's the food their parents are making that they're consuming. So I think it's amazing when we can look at real food being the answer for everyone, whether you're an athlete or not, right? So you start with the family and educate the parents and the and the athlete, the, the, the up-and-coming young athlete. Then the whole family's eating really well, but the athlete is being told from the nutritionist or from their coach. So there's that, I guess, degree of respect and not the parents being the nag or whatever that might feel like for the teenager. Um, But I think, you know, what I've been doing is just as a side note, I've been working with a couple of um, young track cyclists in Queensland. And when they really understand that they need to control what they eat to give them that competitive edge, the compliance is just through the roof like they used to think maybe they could get away with eating junk and potato chips because they were lean or because it wasn't sort of I guess clear to them that nutrition was significant but if they want to go to nationals or you know get on the podium and they understand how important food can be they, they stick to it and it's fantastic to see kids being so savvy versus maybe these footballers who are in their 20s and 30s wishing they knew what they knew or what they know now 10 years ago yeah. and a lot of the times they a lot of the times you said before the kids think they can get away with it. you know they've got a fast metabolism they're training a lot so they can potentially get away with it but it catches up with you and this has been my experience you know talking to the AFL footballers who have followed you know my protocols is that they, you know, sometimes they think they can get away with it as a youngster because their hormones are up, they're doing a lot of work, but as they get older, their body doesn't handle the workload as much. If they're not getting those quality nutrients into their body, you know, they break down, they get injured. And I guess Sammy Gilbert's a really, Sammy Gilbert who plays for St Kilda, you know, he had literally the worst diet I'd ever seen in my life when he first started working when he was 16. I'm like, mate, what is this? It's like sausage rolls, lamingtons, cans of Coke, ice blocks, muffins. I'm like, mate, this is not football food, but... To his credit, you know, he turned it around and, you know, basically he's one of the most organic blokes you're going to meet now. You know, you can also thank his partner for that too. So, and he said, Joey, since I've adopted that organic approach to my diet and eating real whole foods that are clean, you know, my injury recovery time from games or, you know, when I've been injured or having soft tissue injuries has literally reduced by 50%. So the recovery time is basically double because I've got, you know, quality food going in my system. So I can only... I can only go by the feedback that I'm getting from the athletes. If that's what they're telling me, obviously, you know, the real whole food diet is working tremendously, um, despite what some of the other nutritionists and dietitians dietitians believe. And I met a dietitian a few weeks ago at an AFL club who actually has a background in holistic medicine and is also a naturopath, but she goes, like what you said before, Steph, I'm bound by the nutritional guidelines, my nutritional code of conduct with what I'm allowed to prescribe to athletes, and especially with the supplement saga at an AFL club previously, you know, they're really hesitant to provide them supplements. So they're all, you know, anyone who can get the edge with whole food nutrition is going to take, you know, is going to have the advantage over their competition. Yeah, I find that so fascinating though because how must the dietitian go in a club where they are now talking to athletes that have been jerfing or real food or paleo or whatever that might look like? You know, I think five or so years ago, the dietitian would have been... Um, speaking to maybe an audience more like the, you know, the food choices that you were yep. mentioning just before, whereas now it's the opposite. So how do the athletes sit there listening to this archaic information <laughs> when they know better? They may listen to it, but they definitely don't adopt it. Uh, what a waste of time. Yeah. Well, what an absolute waste of resource. It's questionable, anyway, but I've got, a, again, I've got a good story for you with one, with one of our athletes. Um, 
He's a, a guy that I helped get drafted to Essendon this year. He was their final top-up player, and he's a fantastic human being called Sam Michael. And, um, you know, he followed a similar diet with the high carbohydrate, you know, the stuff he was told at his previous AFL club. And, you know, his skin folds were high, his inflammation was high. And I said, mate, look, let's let's adopt a new strategy here. Let's, you know, try this way. You know, whether you want to call it paleo, primal, ancestral, basically real foods, high protein, high fat, lots of fruits and vegetables, you know, minimal processed carbohydrates. He's like, you know, I'm recovering quicker. My skin folds are the last they've been. I feel fantastic. And I said, mate, he goes, well, Joe, what happens when I get to the footy club? I said, well, that's your choice. So what Sam does is he actually prepares his food for the entire day at the club because he knows that it's unlikely that there's going to be the food choices that he requires are going to be available. So he was actually on a... um, it was actually mentioned in the Herald Sun a couple of weeks ago, who's actually on a community camp with the footy club he plays with and they're having cereal for breakfast. So, you know, milk and, you know, wheat bix or something. So Sammy on the way down to um, the community camp, he spotted a um, he spotted a Woolworths on the side of the road, <laughs> which is about three K away. So Sammy got up an hour early to run down to Woolies to um, go get one kilo of prawns and two avocados to eat at the community camp because there was no protein available. And, you know, it's almost like folklore, but if everyone that's at Sam's football club deeply respects him, they thought it was a bit of a joke at the start when he brings his own food, but he's the only player on the list that's never been injured. as in this one training session. He's the fittest guy at the club. He's the healthiest guy at the club. His skin folds are the last. He's the most flexible injury-free athlete there. So Mm -hmm. the athletes are perceptive. You know, they put two and two together and go, well, if this oh, guy's doing having, this, yeah. it's there's got to be something to it. You know, he's the strongest at the footy club and he's in perfect condition and he's certainly not following the food pyramid guidelines, I can tell you that much. Yeah, as you know, I know Sam's wife and she has shared that he used to have seven Vegemite sandwiches for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> the muffins and the can of Coke after the game, yeah, and pizza so, as well. Yeah, obviously he's done a complete 180, which is amazing. Um, but, yeah, I, I like what you say because... I, you know, I've been in that position even just in a sort of a work environment. People think you're absolutely crazy when you bring in your salads or your leftovers, but it's not until, you know, the individual can appreciate the why, the, the, the reasons behind it, they start wanting to do the same thing. And obviously, ideally, the club level will change. So they're getting rid of the milk um, and, and cereal. But, you know, in the short term, there's obviously that, that solution which Sam has taken on board. Yeah, and I've, I myself, I actually have a private chef that cooks and prepares food for me. Although I can cook, you know, and I enjoy it to a certain extent, it's just not an efficient use of my time. So, you know, our private chef can prepare food for, you know, myself or he has the meal preparation stuff for his athletes and is working with some of the Suns players. And I guess, you know, everyone goes, you know, you're weird. What, you know, why do you have a private chef? You know, it's for the domains of the rich and the famous. And it's not really, it's just a smart use of our time. And like yourself, Steph, you know, we want to practice what we preach and, you know, you can talk to the cows come home, but unless people are paying you for it, usually they don't listen. And the more you charge, the more they listen. So yeah. we, just, we just set the example and say, look, you know, I'm fit, I'm healthy, I've got unbridled energy, you know, I've got, you know, no gut issues, I've got, you know, I can go from six in the morning to ten at night without having to have coffee, you know. And just set the example and just lead by example. And, you know, the athletes are pretty perceptive, but when they come through our program, they have to go through an interview process and they have to basically adopt all the philosophies that we've spoken about today because, 80% of their results is going to come from their nutrition. And if they're not willing to follow our nutrition protocols, well, it's really hard for us to do our job. So you get the buy-in at the start, and that way they're compliant, they commit to the program. And, you know, guys, you know, it's not uncommon for our guys to put on 10 kilos in 10 weeks, or if they're carrying body fat, drop 10 kilos in 10 weeks, and they've got plenty of before and after photos. And the thing is, it's the same generic eight 
you know, eight requirements or eight protocols we recommend, and they work for everyone. They improve your blood chemistry, improve your health, improve your energy, enhance recovery, get your leaner, get you stronger, um, and they work basically for everyone. And then when they stop yielding your result, that's when we can take them up to another level, which is what we call, you know, level two, so then you can individualize a little bit more and start working more on their post-workout and pre-workout nutrition. But if they can't do the basics right, you know, it's really trying to push proverbial poo uphill. It's, it's really challenging, and they know that from the outset. So if they don't comply with our guidelines, um, they're pretty much sent on their way. Yeah, okay. Yeah, step change. I mean, that's super important for any significant change, but particularly when they are coming from that completely opposite environment, it can be quite overwhelming to think about, you know, all of the changes, but clearly when they start with a nice breakdown of goals, that makes it sustainable, and obviously that's what we're looking for here because it's really not just for their careers, it's for their long-term health and a, a forever approach as well. Yeah, perfect. And like what you said before, you know, it can be very daunting. If you try and give your clients 10,000 things to do at once, you know, they may struggle with it. And a colleague of mine um, from Canada, Dr. John Berardi, you know, he's got a really good system where it's a it's a habit-based focus on their coaching. So every single week, he'll just give them one new thing to implement. You know, this is with people that are starting from a really low level. And that one thing might be to, you know, drink at least one, one litre of water a day. And you'll say, you know, can you drink one litre of water for me a day on a scale of one to 10? How confident are you that you can do that? And, you know, if it's less than a seven, he'll make the task easier. Can you have 500 mils of water a day? Week two might be, can we add a multivitamin every day? Week three, maybe add one fish oil capsule with every meal every day. So over time, if you do if you do one of those strategies a week over 50 weeks, that's a massive lifestyle shift, especially from someone coming from such a low level of, of health and performance to start with. So as you said, you know, Steph, it's just fantastic to be able to have you know small little strategies you can implement that can elicit massive change because even just by having a multivitamin, you can help eradicate many of the vitamin and nutrient deficiencies that a lot of people have. And you get the bind, they like, I feel more hydrated, you know, I'm not getting headaches anymore, I can focus better, and all of a sudden they start to feel so so much better just by one little thing that they get, you know, more ownership and more buy into your programs as well. And you go, Well look, imagine what we can do if you adopt all these strategies over the next twelve months. It's mind blowing what can happen. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great place to start. And I'm very glad you're involved with the AFL because clearly the, um, you know, the nutritional education has a long way to come. So let's move on. Um, I want to jump into your neural engagement therapy. Now, this is your sort of, I guess, pain management and rehabilitation approach, but I'm sure it's got a multitude of benefits. So take us through you know, what this is for the, for the benefit of our listeners, um, you know, how you use it and where you see it going in, in your field. Yeah, well, neural engagement therapy, it, it has to be seen to be believed. I, I guess words don't do it justice. And we will release a few videos on our website very shortly, but we're sort of little, we're still experimenting with the, the methodology ourselves to figure out what the best way to implement it is. But basically what neural engagement therapy is, it's, it's a self-healing modality and it's a form of tremor therapy. So it almost looks like you're having an epileptic fit. Mm. Um, and what that does is, although it looks confronting, it's basically allowing the muscle tone in your body to reduce, and the tremor is often directed to where you've got pain. So, for example, I've had six shoulder reconstructions, and the first time I did the tremor therapy or the neural engagement therapy, the tremor was directed exactly to my shoulders, and for the first time in basically 16 years, my shoulders were pain-free with no drugs, no anti-inflammatories, no massage, no soft tissue work, just something that I induced myself with using really, really light resistance with really, really slow tempos. And 
you close your eyes down so you shut off the other, I guess, other senses to your body and your body basically defrags and, and goes into involuntary tremor. Um, it's fantastic for pain management. We use it as a recovery modality for our athletes. So you'll see them flapping around on the ground and the people that don't know, they're like, is he all right, Joe? He's having a fit. Yeah. Um, and it's like, he's perfectly fine, but it's just the body's way of getting out all the pent up emotional trauma or physical trauma that it's experienced over its course of a life. And from what I've been told, it's the closest thing that most people will come to meditation. I, I tried to I tried to meditate, and the first rule of meditating is don't try to meditate. <laughs> I sat on the beach out the front of my house for 45 minutes, and it was the, with my eyes closed. It was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life, and I had my stopwatch there, and I got to 44 minutes and 50 seconds, and I'm like, I can't do this. And then it felt like forever, and I, I had to open my eyes, and I was like, you're kidding me. So this here, it's, it basically allows you to improve your heart rate variability, which is a new measure that they're using to elicit overtraining status in athletes. So it's just starting to come to the forefront now and you can actually improve your heart rate variability by implementing this neural engagement type therapy. Uh, it helps out with, you know, I know mindfulness is a big buzzword at the moment on the internet and it helps out with mindfulness and it's been used with quadriplegics and paraplegics to help them walk again. So it's it's an entrance point into the body and we feel it's fantastic and again, it's, it's something that we're going to be teaching uh, or sharing I guess over the next couple of months, once we really nail exactly how to, I guess, implement it into the body. And uh, Sam Michael from Essendon, Kurt Tibbet uh, from the Sydney Swans, a lot of my young athletes are now starting to implement it, and it's only it can only be beneficial. Um, there's no one that we've utilised these, I guess, techniques with that hasn't enjoyed it. It basically feels like you've had a, it feels like you've had a power nap when you've done it for three to five minutes. It's absolutely phenomenal. So. Steph, I know you're coming out to the Gold Coast very shortly, so I look forward to uh, taking you through and um, getting you out of your head and uh, you just enhance performance, take away your pain, reduce your muscle tone and, and feel fantastic. And the best of, best of all, it doesn't cost a cent, it's free if, when you know how to do it. You can do it anywhere, anytime, uh, overcome jet lag, enhance performance, get yourself in the right frame of mind before a race, help you recover after a race, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I look forward to, to giving that a crack. As you say, it does... When you first see it, it it's quite unique, <laughs> shall I say. Um, some of our listeners might be aware of um, something that Ken Ware's doing and what he's done with um, John McLean and Pete Jacobs. Could you compare the two modalities just to yeah. separate whether they are quite similar and how, how yours is perhaps unique? Yeah, well, I guess ours is unique in that we also assess brain function with it as well. So we've got the neural engagement stuff, which is similar to Ken's, but I haven't, I'm not 100% certain of Ken's protocol. So I guess he's been using it with quadriplegics and paraplegics, where we're more utilising it for elite athletes and pain management and also as a form of meditation, as a form of recovery. And the functional neurology stuff is the other stuff that we implement in accordance with the neural engagement. And the functional neurology for performance is basically assessing brain function based on all the different senses of the body, so sight, sound, touch, vision, audible senses and whatnot, and how that relates to brain function and also pain and performance. So, for example, the example that I use is that some people that are highly strung or highly stressed and intense, there's a part of their brain called the IML, and that is always firing, and the IML also senses pain. So what I've found is that the athletes that I coach that are super intense that are highly strung, their pain threshold is a lot lower than those that are not as highly strong yeah. because that part of their brain is is constantly going so its perception its perception of pain is very high so by doing functional neurology or performance neurology you can effectively dull that part of the brain so you don't sense pain as often or as quickly 
Uh, another way to, I guess, describe it to the listeners, Steph, would be you've ever, like, on the footy field, you often see, say, rugby players, they pass the ball and there's no one there, and they're like, mate, why did you pass the ball? And they'll be like, well, I heard someone call my name. And when we test their audible sensors, like with a click test, we'll hold our hand above their head and we'll click and they'll point to below where they think the sound's coming from. They actually point to the ground. Yeah. So obviously their perception of sound is distorted. Yeah. Now with, with the eyes, if we test the eyes, I mean, again, I've asked a lot of the AFL footballs that we coach, how often have you had your eyes tested? They're like, oh, Joe, when we got drafted, and that like, was 15 years ago. Yeah. Your eyes are the cornerstone to the world. And as an athlete, if you can't see clearly or if you're not perceiving things as accurately as you could, that's going to affect your reaction time. So say, for example, an AFL footballer, a defender, sees the ball coming. If they see that ball coming a fraction of a second later than their opponent, they're going to be behind the eight ball before they start. So it's, again, it's very challenging and complex to explain, you know, over our podcast now. But again, we're going to put some videos up there that show you how you can integrate this stuff into your training. And the thing is, everyone's got some sort of brain trauma or brain damage. And that's not saying that they've got brain damage and they're not functioning human beings, but everyone's got unique characteristics of their brain based on their work and what they do that's a strength and a weakness. And we can assess that and we can design a program based on your own function and neurology to improve your brain function, which can improve peripheral vision, reaction time, coordination, reduce your pain sensation, improve strength output, power output, and even in improve endurance performance. I mean, we stuck, we had the glasses that we put on, one of our athletes, and we had the lights flashing on the left-hand side of the glasses, and that would stimulate a part of their brain in the cerebral cortex that actually make them stronger. When we put it on the right eye with the flashing glasses, it actually made them weaker. So we can stimulate different parts of the brain based on light sensation, the color of the glasses that you wear during training sessions. It's, it really is like opening up a can of worms because I guess the brain is the final frontier and the final, I guess, the panacea for elite human performance because a lot of times coaches, you say to coaches, oh, so how, do, how does the muscle get stronger? They're like, oh, you lift weights and then you recover. You eat protein, recover, whatnot. Okay, what innovates that muscle? The nerves, okay, where do nerves get their information from? Where, what process is the nerve transmission? Spinal cord in the brain. Yeah. So if your brain's not functioning optimally, how can you expe- expect to experience you know, your maximal levels of strength and performance? Yeah, again, they take that, that, one, that single-minded approach, whereas clearly optimal performance is completely holistic. And a lot of the, and you try and talk to a lot of the coaches about it. Like, you know, even when I've showed some of the neural engra- neural engagement therapy, like, what, what's, what's that like? Gee, that 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 just looks odd. And I'm like, well, it's really hard to comprehend something if you've never done it before, and if you don't understand how it works or why it works. But you know, like yourself, Steph, we want to try and push the boundaries because if you wait for the research to come out, you're already ten years behind. Research tells us good coaches and practitioners what we already know, and you know, we want to be five or ten years ahead of our competition so we effectively give our athletes the edge because that's what they deserve. And I'm not saying that research is useless, it's fantastic, but you've got to try and push the boundaries and sometimes your own practical and empirical experience can sometimes be better than the research. Oh, I mean, spot on. And that's the thing. I think that most people now these days appreciate the actual process of a, of a study getting published in a top, top-tier journal and how, unfortunately, it does take so many years by the time that the research is there. And I'm sick to death of the, of the rebuttal of where's the research when you present something that is clearly obvious and, you know, essentially common sense where I think it's quite naive with when that response is given because 
we should realize how long it takes and that we need to be in front of the research so that we are able to deliver the very best. Correct. And the other thing too, I guess, with the research is that it, it tells us what we already know, but mm. you're not, you weren't involved in the research study. I wasn't involved in the research study. You've got everyone's individual, as you said before, and you know, just because something worked for an untrained college athlete doesn't mean it's going to work for an elite level AFL footballer. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and half the studies coming out have a really, really small sample size, so right. they really can't be extrapolated beyond that individual um, sample size. Yeah, correct. So that's although I've got you know we've both got backgrounds with university qualifications and whatnot. It's you know it's it's nice to know, but you've also got to look at it you know I guess critically as well and see well how applicable is this information to my population, and you know our rule of thumb is if something you know the old Bruce Lee analogy. Use what's useful, reject what's useless. And you know, as I said, I tried the high carb diet; it didn't work. I tried long distance running back in the early two thousands, and it just increased their rates of injuries, overuse injuries, reduced their power output, and made them, you know, <laughs> reduced their performance. It made them fat, so they're actually more efficient at holding body fat. So I'm like, you know, obviously this is not working. So if you, the definition of a fool is someone that does the same thing, expecting a different result. And um, you know, I've been pretty quick to adapt my uh, methodologies <laughs> to make sure we get a result. Otherwise. You know, if we don't get a result, we don't get paid. So it's you know, it's it's good incentive to, to want to get a result. Where sometimes people that are employed by professional sporting teams it doesn't really matter what they if they get a result or not with their athletes because you know they've got a three year contract. So it doesn't really matter. You know, I'm here for three years and then I'll see what happens at the end of it. But obviously, you can become you know if you get results quicker for your clients, you're getting the better results faster and more efficiently. You're actually more valuable to them and you will never go hungry. And I hear a lot of times you know trainers and coaches are looking for clients. It's just be a master at what you do and you'll never go hungry and you'll always have you know clients banging on your doors to work with you. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, very cool. So you're on the Gold Coast and tell us what you've got coming up with some seminars and what that's all about. Yeah, cool, Steph. So I'm based at my on the Gold Coast. I've got my performance facility there and we've got a seminar coming up on July 2nd uh, for Functional Neurology for Sports Performance and Power. And basically, this is going to show you guys how to assess brain function from the different, the five different sensors and then how to implement that into a training program. And it's got nothing to do with bench presses, uh, sets or reps. It's all about functional neurology. And some of the stuff you do to retrain the brain is like doing figure eights with your legs, figure eights with your hands, looking at convergence and saccades with your fingers and your thumb to get your eye function happening. It's, it really has to be seen to be believed um, in terms of, you know, we can improve someone's flexibility just by training their eyes in literally 10 seconds, getting them to look up and down, up and down, up and down, which changes and adjusts the tone of their hamstrings, and you can improve their flexibility by 50%. It's just, it's almost like party tricks. So yeah, it sounds like it. The athletes are like, you know, is this kinesiology? It's not kinesiology. It's all based on brain function, and a lot of the stuff that we've used has been used extensively with stroke and rehabilitation patients. So... And now we're the first people to sort of start applying this stuff to elite athletes and sports performance because if you can take an athlete's pain away, um, no, say for example an athlete's strained a hamstring, if we can effectively eradicate the pain by you know reducing parts of the brain that experience and sense pain because the brain is what's involved with pain sensation, we can actually get them to play even though they may have a strained hamstring, you can effectively get them to play pain free. So you need to get a go up for the finals. This stuff is absolutely mind-blowing. We're going to be presenting this stuff hopefully at the AFL Grand Final Conference Week in September. But for people that are serious that want more information on this, uh, we've got a seminar coming up on July 2nd. It's a Saturday. It's going to be held at our facility up here on the Gold Coast. Uh, one of my colleagues, Grant Hayes, who looks after the EPL soccer players, he looks after the Porsche racing car team, 
He's one of the most highly valued functional neurologists in the world. He's one of only three of them. The other two are in Germany and America, and he's based in New Zealand. He's not been here for too long, so we've got him coming up, and myself and Victor Popov, who worked with the Brisbane Lions, the Australian Institute of Sport, uh, the Tour de France cyclist team, uh, the Australian cricket team, and also the Russian Olympic team. He'll be there doing the stuff as well. So for people who want more information, they can check out the website, injoeytrust.com.au. Um, Steph, we hope to have you along as well, and so you can see some of this mind-blowing stuff in action. Because it, I saw it, I'm just like, "What are you doing, mate? This is it, it's BS." But you see it, you do it, you apply it, and it works. Um, and the thing with Grant is he's got a whole ton of research that supports everything he does. Because we took some of this information to the AFL teams, they're like, "Mate, this is this is hocus pocus. This is just magician stuff." And it's like, "No, it all it all stems in the brain. It starts in the brain. Performance, sight, peripheral vision, power. It starts in the brain. So if we can strengthen up those connections." Our athletes are going to be better. Yeah, and again, it's really common sense when you break it down like that. It's just that it's different, right? So it feels different, like eating real food feels different when you've been told to smash the pasta. And I think you know, <laughs> it's just about educating um, athletes, general population on these techniques. And then once they try it for themselves, they'll obviously appreciate the, the why and you know, experience firsthand. Yeah, and, and they don't ask questions. If they're getting stronger, you can take their pain away. They don't care. They just want to be pain-free, strong, and performing on the footy field or, you know, whatever environment they're playing in. And, you know, if we can do that for them, um, they're going to come back and they, they tell their mates about it. Or, you know, Joey's doing stuff where your whole body starts to tremor and shake and vibrate and you're all over the place, but it takes your pain away. You feel fantastic when you're doing it. And, you know, the function neurology, Joey's got me looking at my finger, going left and going right. He's got me... Um, Putting uh, what else we do? You know, got these aftershocks we put on my neck to vibrate my neck muscles, and these different coloured glasses, and you know, it's almost like party tricks. And it's not just you know party tricks for the sake of doing them; it's stuff that can effectively enhance your athlete's performance. And that's what we're about, you know, making athletes better human beings. Number one, keeping them injury free. Number two, and finally number three, enhancing their performance. And if we can do all those things whilst they're under our supervision and guidance, they're going to be fantastic, happy human beings. Yeah, and all without the risk of asada. Very good. Yeah, exactly right. This is stuff you can do to improve performance. You know, guys are trying to do stuff to, you know, taking supplements or anabolics or, you know, designer stuff to get them bigger, faster, stronger when they haven't even tapped into the number one resources inside them, which is their brain. Yeah, for sure. Awesome stuff, buddy. Thanks so much for coming on the show and I look forward to meeting you next month or, sorry, early July on the Gold Coast. Um, the link to your website will be in the show notes so we can link up the seminar to our listeners. So anyone that's interested in getting along, please head straight to injoewetrust.com to grab your ticket. Fantastic, Steph. Thank you for your time. Awesome. Hope to chat to you again soon. Cheers. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.